Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. I am your host, your confidant. I say confidant because it's like, <clears throat> you know, who else is going to know what you're thinking about or how you react to what I say? You know what I mean? So I'm like a guide that's invisible. As we go down into the depths of limiting beliefs and all that stop us from letting in what we want. My name is Larry Morrison. I am the financial shaman. I'm the alchemist here to help you create a new world for yourself. And what we talk about on this podcast are obviously we always have a foundation in money, money beliefs, but the more you start to unravel limiting beliefs around money, the more you start to see that it spiderwebs into everything. You know, what you believe about um, yourself and what you deserve and what your worth is directly correlates to how much you love yourself, which means it correlates to how much unconditional love you feel from your own heart and from the universe itself, from your soul, if you want to say that or God, or whatever, but like, how much you love yourself is in direct correlation to how you perceive yourself, which means how you perceive how God sees you. That's the whole non-deserving story. And so what if it were possible to see you as God sees you? The true God, not this conditionally loving Santa Claus God bullshit, where, you know, fire and brimstone and you're constantly judged and you're going to stand in line at the pearly gates to see if you get in or not. That's all horseshit. You know, that's the Santa Claus God. That's the conditional loving God, the false God that we've created on this planet, which stems from seeing our parents as God who are conditionally loving and then overlaying that conditional love onto actual God, which is where the main disconnect happens. But you see how it's not that hard to go from money beliefs, like, um, you know, my old standby, you have to work hard for money, or, um, you know, money's the root of all evil, to start to break down and go, wait a minute, how could money be evil? You start to unravel this and you go, Wait, it always leads back to what we believe Source thinks of us. Because we're chasing approval through money, most people are, saying that, oh, once I get this huge amount of money or this nice job or this promotion or my business is successful or whatever, then everyone will love me, I'll be allowed to love myself, and God will love me, I'll know that God loves me because my business is successful, or my money is taken care of, or what have you. It's no different than health. They say, oh, God loves me if I'm, if this disease goes away. So you're putting conditional love onto God, right? I go into this in depth when I talk about the money God. What do I have to do to appease the money God to get money to flow to me? And then, so as you unravel all of this spider web, you start to see themes 
and patterns of behavior, patterns of belief that are, reach way farther than money. I was talking to this spiritual teacher, God, this must have been, I don't know, earlier this, early 2021, so almost a year ago. And I was a guest on his show, and I was working with one of his people and unraveling, you know, it started with, um, I can't remember the exact belief we were working on in, on his show with this, his, one of his people, one of his community members. And uh, it was something like, I can't sit still, you know, I have to keep working, or I'm not allowed to rest or whatever. Um, one of these things that makes it feel like you have to constantly be doing something, because she was a business owner. And um, we started to unravel it, and right away it had to do with her dad abandoning her for work. You know, he was always working, and he felt like if he didn't work, like, his whole life was in jeopardy. And to work is to live and survive, and it took him away from his family, so his daughter never saw him, and so on and so forth. So she adopted that same belief system, but it really had to do with an abandonment issue from her dad. And the host, after the fact, was like, yeah, I thought you were going to stick to money beliefs, and I was like, you don't get it. Money beliefs are a way in to find out what's going on underneath the surface. It's never about the money. I mean, yes, there are some things. But as I work with people every day on their money beliefs, it's always leads to something else. What we think about the universe, what we, how our parents taught us about money, how our parents taught us about life, how we've been, how we've... Um, gained our perspective on how to get love the love that we need right and so anyway there's a lot of times you're going to listen to this especially if you're new to this and you're gonna be like what the hell is he talking? i thought this was about money what the hell is he talking about but anyway enough of the pre-rant there's something i wanted to jump into right off the bat it hit me like a ton of bricks, and as I said on my last podcast, I'm going to start gearing this, my aim for the next foreseeable future, toward the spiritual entrepreneur, which is either an entrepreneur who wants to integrate their spiritual practice into what they do, or um, someone who has a gift that they, that's you know, somewhat spiritual that they want to make into a business. Right, whether you know maybe you're like an energy healer, or you read auras or tarot cards or whatever, no judgment. That's not the point. Um, whatever your gift is that you're trying to express into a service to charge money for, I'm going to be here to help you with that. As you know, someone who started many businesses and have at least one success. You could call my current one pretty successful, depending on your judgment of it. I would call it pretty successful. Um, excuse me. Um, so I'm going to be gearing a lot of my talks to that. Only hurt, took me 123 podcasts to figure out that's what I want to aim toward. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's just the evolution of this and where it's going. And if you don't plan on starting a business, I'm, there's still going to be plenty of gems and jewels 
of knowledge and wisdom in these podcasts. So, you know, stick around. And maybe this will uncover something that you want to take into doing a side business or a full business. Who knows? Because obviously, when you're following your heart, what tends to happen is the letting go of traditional ways of looking at things. For instance, when it comes to relationships, I've been sifting and sorting, of course, my own relationship has had some, let's just say, growth experiences lately. But um, I've been diving a lot more into relationships. It's what my clients seem to be demanding, what else is going on with me. But um, I say all that to say, the typical way we perceive a relationship is you're either in this relationship and you feel trapped by it. Not all relationships, I'm just in general. You feel trapped by it or you're out of a relationship, you're free, but you're lonely, right? So the general narrative is you have to give up something to be in a relationship, your freedom. And um, my point here is like, We need to evolve beyond this typical way to look at things, this typical perception, this narrative around a relationship. And I bring that up because we have these same things when it comes to money, when it comes to business. We have very outdated perceptions of how to approach something. You know, when it's business, it's very much like, Do you have a product or a service? Okay, it's a product. So are you making it as cheaply as possible? Are you doing shipping as cheaply as possible? Are you drop shipping? Are you running through Amazon? Like, are you going through a store? I mean, you know, are you doing uh, um, distribution? Is it, you know, are you selling in bulk? And then it just, you know, like, there's so many traditional, I guess is the best way to put it, traditional viewpoints on how to sell a product. And then, of course, you have a service. Is it something you can do or is it something that can be trained? Can other people do it too? How do you teach that? Or if it's a service, do you you know, how do you market it? Blah, blah, blah. So there's like, um, there's a million different like ways in which we can go about something. But typically, traditionally, it all funnels down to the same place. And which is why I'm so fascinated by spiritual entrepreneurship in and of itself, because spiritual entrepreneur, or, or in this case, like your heart is going to tell you to go a certain way that might be, that might break from tradition. Typically it will. It might, you know, like I obviously use anchor and podcasts and YouTube and all this kind of stuff. So there's traditional quote unquote, traditional methods that you're going to use, of course. But your heart's going to tell you to go against the grain, go against the traditional thinking. And when it comes to relationships, your heart doesn't want to be trapped, but it wants to love. So in that way, we have to break away from these traditional methods, notice them, soak their strengths, and leave out the mistakes. So that's what evolution does. So for instance... To not feel trapped in a relationship, what would you have to put in place to not feel trapped? Well, most people say, well, I don't want to commit fully. And that's kind of where we see a lot of young people today. 
or people who have been through some serious traumas in relationships, they're like, yeah, I want to love, I want to spend time with this person, but I don't want to commit to anything. You know, it's the whole Netflix and chill type scenario where it's like, we're not dating, we're just spending time together. That way they can, they're trying to bridge the gap between both worlds. And, or you can look at people who are in a polyamorous relationship who are also trying to do the, the, the bridge the breast of both worlds too. They say, yeah, we want to come, you know, we want to commit to each other, but we also want to have the freedom to explore if our heart wants to, you know, connect with other people, but still come back to this one and not have it threaten the relationship. So there's many different ways in which we're trying to push past these boundaries with money and business, I don't see many people doing it. Now, granted, I haven't looked, to be fair, but there seems to be this same kind of tug of war of traditional thinking with um, with the, like the, what the heart wants to do. So, for instance, and I see this in spiritual communities with my other fellow spiritual teachers and seekers and like people who are trying to express their gift, they're like, ooh, I have this great idea, but I have to fit it into the framework of selling online or, you know, get going viral or whatever. And that's why me and my uh, team, I guess you would say, um, at the Financial Shaman, are attempting to forge a new way. And of course, you'll hear more about that as we go. But the, one of the main ways we're starting to forge is letting go of the idea that we're trying to get the result that we want. Obviously, it'd be great if more and more people heard this podcast, right? Or more and more people were exposed to my content. That's not the intention, but it would be awesome. And so what we've been talking a lot about is, okay, what's the middle way? What's the third option here? It's either traditional style or abnormal style. And it's like, well, what if we created something we loved that our hearts were fully into that we actually enjoy doing? That way we could let go of the outcome of getting likes or subscribers or customers or whatever. But there it is. A business runs on customers, right? On, on, on people buying your product or donating or, you know, if you're a nonprofit or whatever. So, like, it runs on this. So, we're, we're figuring out, A, we're figuring out heart-based marketing. We're also trying to figure out or let in the wisdom of the universe to teach us how not to be attached to outcome, how not to be attached to dollars, but still price things to our heart's expansion because a lot of spiritual people will price things extremely low because they feel bad for charging, which is a whole nother thing. So it's a delicate balance. Uh, balance not even the right word. It's a flow. It's a flow of like, we're creating something we absolutely love while simultaneously removing our limitations, our conditions, our, and we're unconditioning ourselves out of believing that, oh, if I, if I don't get a thousand likes or a hundred thousand subscribers or whatever, then this was a worthless endeavor. 
And it's like, no, we loved this thing into creation. And so can we look back a year from now, regardless of the result, and say, I absolutely love what we put out. You know, I, I watch, especially around the holidays, you know, I watch some movies, some old, some new, you know, your, your classic Chevy Chase Christmas Vacation, your Home Alone, right? Tim Allen, Santa Claus, those type of things. They're timeless. And yes, you can see the technology and, and the way they shot it and all that is outdated and old. But more than that, they're timeless. Not so much because of the, um, you know, talking about Santa Claus or whatever. But they're timeless because you could tell they, they put love into it. They let go of, you know, what, how, how people were going to receive it. I watched this documentary on how they made Home Alone and how um, it eventually ended up at New Line Cinema. But Paramount, and I could have these backwards, so don't quote me on this, but Paramount originally bought it and produced it and was creating it. And then they were like, oh, it's a little too much over budget. They shut it down two-thirds of the way through filming. And then New Line immediately picked it up the very next day and funded it. And it became one of the highest grossing films of its time. And it actually started before Macaulay Culkin. There wasn't child stars like that. I mean, there was, but he carried the whole movie. They've had child stars before, but never asked them to carry the whole movie. And so um, that spun out, you know, it spun into not only sequels and careers for everybody, but uh, even the cinematography itself um was unique the stunt work was unique how you know the stuntmen for joe pesci and and daniel stern and all of this stuff forged a new path but almost didn't get made because they were worried too much about the result and not what they were creating right and i understand that there's a back and forth and a balance if you will between you have to pay attention like if you keep doing all this stuff that you love and no one watches it, you know, then you're like in an indie cult classic type scenario, right? Where you have to pay attention to what do people want? What are they asking for? Which is where we are with my team. And what I'm putting out here right now is if you have specific questions about entrepreneurship, spirituality, Anything that you're facing, of course money, please reach out to us over at financialshaman.com. Just use the, my, the general email, thefinancialshaman at gmail, and we'll, we'll take it into consideration, make a video or whatever. But I think this, with a movie like that, you can't get feedback until you're, you know, testing it on a test audience. But with what most people can create today, whether you're a content creator, you're providing a service or a product, you can get almost instantaneous feedback. So it's how much do you listen to the feedback as constructive criticism versus how much do you listen to your own heart? And the answer is it's situation by situation, but everything that you get in feedback should be run through the filter of your heart to see if it's just somebody being a troll or see if it's actually something you can take and use and, and, and construct with. I think about cars a lot when this happens because Henry Ford has this great line 
or had or whatever you want to say. Obviously, he's dead. But he had this great line that said, so grateful for my customers because they buy my product when it's not perfect. And what he meant was, if you look at it, he just put out, you know, Model T, let's say, or, or you know, the, the Ford, um, whatever, Mustang, right? And then the very next year, it had improvements. It evolved. It didn't stay the same forever. You know, the 68, different from the 69, different from the 70, different from the 71, right? They're constantly evolving and changing and adding new technology. And a lot of it is based on customer reviews, a lot of it is based on the feedback they get, like, oh, man, it'd be nice to have a cup holder here. And the engineers are like, oh, shit, we can have a cup holder right here. You know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, seatbelts and safety devices and all this stuff, constantly adding and evolving. So one of the first things that we notice when spiritual entrepreneurs get started is they want everything to be perfect before they start. That is a huge problem. You have to push past that it's never going to be perfect, but you have to start somewhere to get feedback in order to evolve your product or service. There's too many, too many people that are caught in analysis paralysis that never start, and they, they never have the feedback. So they're trying to get in the mind of their customer without even having a customer. And so you got to put it out there, see what comes back, and, and, and just it's a, it's a constant back and forth like this. But then you, you naturally come to the conclusion of, well, how much is me forging a new path or forging, you know, trying to create something new like Home Alone was at the time versus pandering to the audience like the new Men in Black movie was, right? If you didn't see the new Men in Black movie with the Chris Hemsworth, uh, it's terrible, it's just terrible. They were just, it's an obviously a just, they were just trying to get a paycheck. And um, it, it, it does nothing. But what's funny is when they made the script, it was actually all about alien, um, you know, um, put, they, they were pushing boundaries of sovereignty and like, people trying to escape oppressive lands and then encroaching on uh, people, you know, whose freedoms they were, you know, space they were taking up and all this stuff. And it had a lot to do with what we are dealing with today as far as war-torn countries and taking on refugees and things like that. But the studio freaked out halfway through filming, so, like, it's all just a mess. And it's an obvious cash grab to just save their butts. So how much do we pay attention to the money and the results that we want versus following our heart? And the question or the answer is not simply defined black and white. It's situation by situation, moment by moment, checking in with your heart to say, does this align? Is this something I can look back at and love? Is this something we can take and evolve based on feedback? And am I too hung up on the results? But, or am I not hung up at all on the results? Because I swear, there's uh, this thing that happens with a lot of entrepreneurs where they fall in love with their product or service more than they fall in love with their customer. 
So what that means is, like they've just in, in, invented this great widget and they think everybody should buy it. And, you know, their, their uh, customers are like, yeah, no, it's great, but there's this problem with, you know, this thing, you know, it's not easily handheld or transported. And the entrepreneur won't take the feedback. They'll just be like, oh, these people are nuts. They don't get it. That happens a lot too. And it's like, no, 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 no. They get it, but you don't get it. You don't get that your stuff needs to evolve, right? And if you just fix this one little thing, it would blow up. But people get stubborn and self-righteous. You know, they fall in love with their, their product or service. I mean, if you've ever been to a networking event, everybody thinks their service is the most amazing thing and they just love talking about it. More than they love, a lot of them, more than they love listening. So we got to watch out for that too. That was a long intro, wasn't it? But here's something I was in meditation and I thought about, and I obviously recognize the distance between where you are and where I am, possibly. So what I'm going to say might be like, okay, yeah, okay, Larry, that that must be nice for you. But, um, you know, that's far away from where I am. But remember always that everything I say is just for you to filter through your own heart, right? It's just for you to, uh, like the buffet, put it on your plate, see if you like it, you don't, you don't have to agree, we don't have to agree on this. And, you know, your tastes might change a year, two years from now. And you might look back and go, I remember when Larry said that, and now I get it. Who knows? Or mine obviously might evolve. But enough retractor statements. And what I was thinking about was I have a very dear friend, um, one of my best friends. And he is very, very smart, very emotionally intelligent as well. I, he, there's nothing he can't do. Now, of course, he's bogged down by limiting beliefs. But what was fascinating to me was he was complaining about his boss. And I didn't think much of it at the time, except when I was in meditation, I was like, why do you have a boss? Why do you have a boss? Think about what a boss is. Your boss is someone who's paying you. I mean, they could just be management. They might not be the owner. But someone who's paying you to do what they want you to do in the way they want it. Now, obviously a good boss and a good leader is going to take into your skill set, into your accounts and all that, but we're just trying to keep it basic. Just keep it basic. A boss is someone who's paying you to do something that you may or may not want to do to some, to, to some degree and who has control of your livelihood by the fact that they pay you. Right? And so inherently, there's a power dynamic in the boss and the employee relationship. The power dynamic is, and you see this when you're in a co working or in a working environment with co workers, some of them might see the power dynamic and rebel 
and be like, fuck that, I'm not gonna listen to what he says, I'm gonna do it this way. And others might cower down and be like, I have to keep my job, so I'm gonna keep him happy. And they might bend too far the other way. This is why you see a lot of sexual harassment stuff happen and not get called out on. People are too scared to lose their jobs. But the, the prospect of this power dynamic, remember always that every single power dynamic you've entered into willingly. Now you might say, well, you know, the police have power over me that I don't enter into willingly. And it's like, well, really want to go down that debate. Um, you chose to live in this country, whether you believe you were born here or not, or whatever country you're in, like you chose to be here. So, <laughs> you know, the, the rules of the society are the rules of society. If you don't like them, change them or leave. But, um, I don't want to go down that road, but I'm just saying every power dynamic was entered into willingly. Basically, if you have a boss, you gave up your power to him or her. You are giving your power over to this person. And if you believe that they have some kind of control over your livelihood, your ability to feed your family, that's even more power you're giving away. And here's where you can enter into, yeah, it must be nice for, for you, Larry, that you don't have a boss. And I'm going to get to that here in a second. But let's stay with this understanding. You are giving your power away to someone for money to show up every day and do whatever they want you to do or whatever the job demands. You are creating the power dynamic where you are less than this person, less important, less valuable, hello, less whatever you want to say. You're creating the power dynamic by agreeing to do something that you don't want to do. I mean, if you're going to work for someone and you love what you do, that's not really a, a work. It's not really a job and they're not really your boss. They're helping you create whatever you're put on this earth to create. Like, let's say... Um, you're a writer and you go to work for a newspaper or something, like if there is any newspapers left, or a magazine or whatever, and so they're showcasing your art form, that you don't really have a boss. You have someone you're working in conjunction with to get your words out there. You know, in that dynamic, you just love what you do and you know that no matter what, like, if you're, you love what you do, you're going to master it. You're a master at words. Like, if they don't, your boss says something fucked up or does something out of line or whatever, crosses a boundary, you can leave and somebody else will pick you right up because you love what you do and you're a master at it, right? So, or you can freelance. So, my point being, though, typically when you have a boss, you're doing something you don't like to do. Or don't like to do all of it. Maybe it's a portion of something you like, right? Um, I like helping people. I like being a social worker, but I hate, I hate working for the government, right? I hate, you know, having to fill out all these forms or whatever. Or doctors. I work with a lot of doctors or used to with their finances. And, you know, they love helping people, but they're, you know, 50 to 70% of their job is paperwork for insurance companies. They hate that, right? So anyway, my point being, typically when you have a boss... You're doing something you don't like to do. 
Now, why are you giving over that power? Why are you giving over your power to someone else like that? Because no one taught you that the universe will always take care of you and you can do whatever you want. And even some of you might hear that and go, that's not, that's not true. It is true. There's always enough money. And if you're excited to do something, that means source will have your back. I mean, source will always have your back. You'll always have enough. You're never going to run out of air, food, or water, or money. But in this context, you're much more likely to have the energy and the opportunities that you need if you're following your highest excitement. Remember what I said last podcast. In following your highest excitement, you have to realize that you're not the only one that wants whatever you want created. Source does too, otherwise it wouldn't have placed the inspiration, the opportunity, and the excitement within you. Okay? So why would you have a boss? To me, this is straight stone-cold brainwashing. You people go like, oh, yeah, you know, I gotta go to work. I gotta do this thing I don't like. Everybody else is doing it, so I gotta do it too. No, you don't. Just because everybody else is doing it does not mean that you have to do it too, and not everybody else is doing it. Well, you're like, Larry, what's the alternative? I gotta start my own business now. I'm scared if I'm gonna make money or not. Beautiful. That fear is there to help you. That fear is there because it's your way, the way your heart is communicating to you that you're believing false beliefs, that you have a tainted perception. So if you look at starting your own business and you immediately get scared, that's your heart's way of saying, hey, uh, your perception of this is super tainted. You need to clean this up. What do you have to believe about yourself or the situation to feel fear? Well, that I'm going to die broke and alone and I'm going to be a failure. Okay, those are all limiting beliefs that you need to get rid of before you even start down this road. You see, this is why I love working with entrepreneurs so much. Because they are courageously going headlong, headfirst into their limiting beliefs and their, their story of how they can't do stuff. And they're rewriting their story as they go. Right? So why do you have a boss? Why would you give up your power like that? And if you're in that position, just think about it for a while. You don't have to quit tomorrow or anything like that. It's just, why do I have a boss? My friend complaining about his boss, like, yeah, super nice guy, but this, this, and this. It just sucks. And I'm like, then why have one? I love it when people can see their bosses or their company's shortcomings, their blind spots, and they're always like, if they would listen to me, they wouldn't have this problem. And your heart's doing the exact same thing. Like, if you'd listen to me, you wouldn't have a boss at all, right? You wouldn't have this company to, to keep you stranded here in your small story 
if you listen to me, but okay. It's only going to cause more pain and stress. You're only going to have to drink and drug your emotions away more and more. Because you're not listening. The alternative is, when I first started, I had a, you know, obviously I grew up in construction, so plenty of bosses, foremen, owners of companies that I worked for. Then I became my own boss, my own contractor. And then I was like, yes, no more boss. But immediately, the boss was replaced with customers who were now your boss. And it was like, damn it. I thought this was, I thought this was going to be freedom. When in fact, now I have to do what these people want for money. And if you're caught in that scenario, I will help you. So now your clients or your customers are your boss. Which is also feels like a trap. Until you start to shift your perspective. That you're actually co-creating with these people. And you could, you could say that for a boss too. But for the purposes of this. You're co-creating with your customers. They want something. You want to help them with something. So you're co-creating. When they come on too strong when your customers come on too strong or your clients with very bad boundaries and they're demanding you feel like no, that, this isn't co-creation doesn't feel right we need to end this relationship if you come on too strong where you're like hey i need you to do this this and this and the client you know cowers or it, it, I, I don't know just doesn't feel safe around you they're going to rebel in some way, shape, or form. They're going to ghost you or whatever. So it has to be a collaborative experience, even if you're a contractor. Right? Because you know how things work that they don't. They just know what they, they envision. And you're like, I can make that happen, but we have to you know, change this, do this, do this. Right? So it's a total collaboration with your clients. Not that you traded one boss for another. However, when you're getting started, you don't know that because usually you haven't built up the momentum or the stamina or the internal security to know that you both need each other. And this goes back to relationships. What we're talking about here is interdependence, where, you know, the client, most likely, depending on what you're offering, can do the thing themselves if they really wanted to. And, you know, they could, and you could work with somebody else. So, like, there's, a, there's a, an interdependence where you realize you could do more together than separate, right? They have the money and the, the thing that they need. You need, you need. you need the money and the space. So, to create. So, you come together in this beautiful balance, in this beautiful give and take of where you both want to create this thing together. But in the beginning, most people who are just starting out in entrepreneurship, they don't see it that way. They come out as desperate. Like, I really need this money. I really need this to work. I really need blah, 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 blah. And they end up bending over backwards in the wrong direction and doing too much. 
for more than what they agreed upon, more than what makes them money. Now that starts to feel like you're back to being a boss. And this is why the programming is so important to understand when you make this leap from being an employee to being an entrepreneur is if you still have the programming of I'm always working for someone else and doing what someone else wants, then it's going to be easy to be like, well, I just traded one boss for another. Might as well go back to the safe paycheck. But if you come out and go, no, I, what I want to create is beautiful, you know, and we're going to co-create with the universe and these people, and they're going to get the benefit of, of my gifts and skills, then you can go into, we're not, I'm no longer giving my power away. I'm co-creating with my power, you see. And when I hear someone talk about their boss, I'm always like, you mean your heart? Because that's where I am right now. When somebody asks, you know, I don't really have a boss besides Source. Source is my boss at this point. Right? I feel like, yes, there are, of course, things I'm excited about. Yes, there's a lot more freedom in the choices I make now, where it's not all 100% the heart is telling me what to do. There's a lot more freedom of like, ah, if you want to eat that, eat that. If you don't, whatever. But, like, it took me a long time to get here to where Source is my boss, but... It's also a co-creation. That's the beauty of it. Yes, if you don't listen, there's going to be pain involved because it's like the highest infinite intelligence with infinite perspectives that's always making, helping you get to your highest and best self is telling you to do this thing. And if you don't listen, it's going to be painful because your heart's going to communicate to you, hey, your perception is off if you're thinking that you're being bossed around by the universe right or that you're a puppet or whatever so yeah that's going to be painful to not listen or to think that you're a puppet when you come back you're actually in a collaborative co-creative space with source here's what i mean you want to create something source wants to create that thing too and i'll just use me as an example i love to write And yes, I recognize that Source put that skill or that ability or that love into me. But it doesn't take away from the fact that I love doing it. And so I do it and the words flow through me. I'm in the flow state when I write. Right? Half the time I don't know what I'm going to say. More than half. I have a kind of a general aim. But sometimes that gets, you know, taken in a new direction. So you have this collaboration with Source where it's like, I want you to say this in my writing, for example. I want you to say this so the thoughts come through, but I get to mold the words, typically, not every time. I mean, some of them are very important to say in a certain way. But a lot of the time I get to mold the words or add here, take away here, right? So there's this beautiful collaboration that happens, this co-creation where we're both... Me and Source, which of course were both the same thing. 
in in the grand scheme of things but me and source are both wanting the same thing we have both the same intention we both want to be the best at it say it in the best possible way and so we're bouncing each other we're bouncing things off of each other like hey do you want to go this way no let's go this way okay so let's say it like this well what about this take this word away add this right like so it's a beautiful synchronistic collaboration that doesn't feel like I'm being bossed around. It feels like my conscious awareness is important to the creator for feedback, just like we were talking about in the beginning, right? With Henry Ford and, you know, how do we create, we need, we always need feedback of what we're creating. Of course, that feedback has run through our own heart to know if it needs to be discarded or if a piece of it needs to be taken and used. And I feel that strongly is what's happening when I co-create with Source now. Is I don't feel completely like a, pu a puppet, like an automaton, where Source just assumes my mortal form and does what it needs to do. But I also know that it has infinite intelligence, infinite perspective, infinite perception on a situation where I only can only see a handful of perceptions. So that right there means I kind of lean into Source's perception is way better than mine. And all I do is try to align with it, right? But then there's just a magic that comes out of me to where I'll say, well, what about this? And a lot of the time it's like, no, we'll talk about that later. Or we'll write about that later in a different chapter or a different section. Like, okay, okay, so then let's go here. Let's do this, right? And what ends up coming out is some of the best, in my opinion, obviously, being a reader and a writer of spiritual stuff, I think it's some of the best writing there is. Of course, I'm biased. But... It, would, it, didn't, it wouldn't matter if it had my name on it. If I read with anybody else's name on it, if I read what, some of the stuff that comes out of me that I read with somebody else's name on it, I'm like, this is amazing. Right? And this goes back to the highest excitement. If Source wants something to happen, it will make it happen through people. To keep the game alive. That's a whole other subject. But it will do it through people. Have you ever had that million dollar idea? Ignored it. And then seen it at the stores or online a year later. Because Source was like, I'm going to have this happen whether you get on board or not. Okay, you don't want to do it. I'll go to somebody else who will listen. So the words that are coming through me, either on the page or on this podcast or through video or whatever are going to come through someone else no matter what I might as well just go with the flow and let them come out of me because this information is so needed by me as well like I read what I write and go dang I need to I need to take notes I need to learn that I need to really pay attention so let's kind of start to go toward the wrap-up with this, do you think that you need to be in control 
Do you think you need to be in control of what's happening to feel safe? Do you really believe that it has, everything has to go the way you think it should go? And what you prefer to have happen? When you're tapped in, following your heart, ignoring your ego... Do you need to control anything? And the answer is no. Control is what people would seek when they're afraid that their attachment, their expectation, isn't going to happen. Then you would try to control the situation, the circumstances, whatever you want to say, the people involved, you would try to control it so that you would make sure that the outcome that you wanted came to pass. But what if that's not what a source wants? Now you're trying to force something to happen that will only make you happy. Maybe. Maybe. Why do I say maybe? Because when a fantasy comes to reality, it doesn't make you happy all of the time. Let me give you an example. Let's say I wanted six-pack abs in the next 90 days. And so I set about starving myself you know, not that there's anything wrong with fasting, but fasting, you know, eating different, working out a bunch, ton of ab works, core work, all this stuff. And lo and behold, 90 days happens, bam. Got my six pack. And in the time frame I wanted it too, which is almost impossible. Um, am I happy? Well, no. Because now I have to stay doing all that stuff to maintain it. And who am I going to show this six-pack off to exactly? It's winter. And why do I care? Even if it wasn't winter and I could walk around without a shirt on all day, on the beach or whatever. Who am I trying to impress? Who am I trying to prove that I'm good enough for? You You see the problem here? Just because you want something doesn't mean you'll be happier with it. Or that the happiness will last before I go, okay, now I got my six pack. Now I need to get my arms jacked. Now I need to do this. Now I need to look like The Rock. Now I need to be a movie star. Now I need to da 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 da. Then I'll be happy. Like, what if the infinite intelligence that is literally driving and running everything knows what's best for you more than you do that will make you happier? than you can possibly imagine. Why don't we listen to that more often? I'm sorry, I'm looking at this frozen pond and these ducks are on it, walking on it, as if it's going to magically turn back into water or something. It's super bizarre. I've never, I, I thought, I guess I thought all birds went south for winter, but that doesn't make any sense now that I think about it out loud. Because then... You know, there's still an ecosystem that has to be maintained. 
Anyway, sorry, sidetrack. The infinite intelligence knows what's best for you. And yes, we want you to have preferences. Definitely want you to have preferences, and I want you to speak them out loud and say, no, this is what I want. But we never want to attach to them. Because what if you're like, I want chocolate cake. It's my birthday, I want chocolate cake, but Source is like, okay, but I have something way better. I have chocolate cheesecake that you're going to basically have an orgasm in your mouth if you let me make the decision. But people get so attached to, no, I want it this way. And Source is like, but this is going to make you happy. This is going to make you way happier. And everybody at your party, too, is going to get to try this amazing new thing if you just get the fuck out of the way. But no, we get attached to what we want and think it's best. And we try to control everything. Because we're afraid that, yes, our attachments aren't going to come to pass, what our fantasies aren't going to come to pass, but that if they don't come to pass, we're going to be upset, and nothing can make us happy besides what we think will. How ridiculous is that? How ridiculous is it to think, is it to think that Source doesn't know us better than we know ourselves? Having infinite perception and intelligence and infinite love, unconditional love, and wants you to be happy and wants you to be ecstatic, wants you to be following your highest excitement and, and fulfilling your fantasies and wishes and becoming the best version of yourself. It wants all of that for you. But you won't listen. No, I need a boss. I deserve to be treated like crap. This small story is what I want. And Source is like, wow, okay. I mean, I have basically Michael Jordan, you know, Oprah Winfrey, Mahatma Gandhi style greatness for you if you just listen to me. But okay, you want to be the manager at Office Depot, not that there's anything wrong with that, for the rest of your life. Okay. Well, that's what you want. That's what we'll make happen then. This is a collaboration, a co-creative experience. Source could create everything it wants to create by itself, without you. But it decided it would be much more fun for you to evolve and for it to evolve at the same time, creating and being on the same team. Why wouldn't you want that? Because I know what I want, Larry. I've got it all figured out. No, your ego is telling you that it does. Your ego thinks it's got it all figured out. You never want it all figured out. You never want to think you got it all figured out. A cup that is full is useless. If you're not evolving, you have to dump out that cup. If you're not evolving, you're stuck and you might as well die. Not tomorrow or whatever, but like, what is the point of being here? This game is to help us evolve 
differently, you could say better if you want, but differently than we could on the other side before we came. So if you're not evolving, because you think you've got it all figured out, and you know exactly what you want, and that's what's going to make you happy, and you're ignoring your heart and ignoring source, and thinking you need to be bossed around by your ego, first and foremost, to get what you want, to get your attachments, you're doomed. Instead, all you have to do is let go of the fact that you might not know what's best for you. Now, I know how that sounds. Because that took me a long time to get to and to really let go of. I don't know what's best for me. I think I do. I think I have an idea. But it's not. Because Source has other ideas. And the minute you let go and go, I, don't, I might not know what's best for me. Here's what I prefer with this current consciousness level. I prefer to have these things. But remember, a preference is just that, a preference. It doesn't mean an attachment. I prefer, you know, if I'm having dinner and I know the restaurant or the type of restaurant I'm going to, I'm going to Italian... I'd prefer eggplant parm. Oh, okay, they're out of eggplant. No problem, ravioli it is. Like, you don't get attached to a preference because then that would become an attachment and an expectation, wouldn't it? Don't get attached to preferences. Hello again. So let's wrap it up. I want you to ask yourself something. Something I've been asking myself recently. Why do I want control? Why do I want control? Do I believe the universe isn't doing a good enough job? Do you believe I could do better? And the other question is, what if I don't know what's best for me? What if I don't know what's best for me? Immediately, what comes up is curiosity. Well, if I don't know what's best for me, I would love to be just... I, I get curious, okay? What does Source think what's best for me? These are amazing questions to ask yourself. What if you don't know what's best for you? What does Source think that's best for you? And don't go down that rabbit hole of, well, it must think I'm... What's best for me is to be in a shitty job and a shitty relationship and stuck and blah, blah. Don't go down there. Come on now. You can't guilt trip sources of getting you what you want. Trust me, I've tried a million times. It doesn't work. In the, let me end with this. In the unconditionally loving universe, the squeaky wheel does not get the grease. The squeaky wheel gets ignored. Because you have to be grateful for what you've been given before more can come. The happy wheel gets the grease. That's what confounds so many people. When you're growing up in this world, you scream and cry and throw a tantrum and adults give you what you want to shut you up. In the universe, in the unconditional loving world, 
you scry, cry and scream and throw a tantrum, the universe gives you space. Say, okay, go deal with that. Come back to me when you want to be unconditionally loving. Right? Uh, here's the analogy I use. Imagine you, you like kids. And you like, you know, spending time with children and teaching and all, all that kind of stuff. Just being a kid yourself and playing with kids, right? Now imagine you go to a daycare and there's only two kids. And you only get to play with one of them. One of them is cranky, tired, almost cruel. About to be set off at anything that you do. And the other one is happy as a lark, having a blast. You can't, you couldn't do anything to make it unhappy. Which one are you more likely to go play with? Be honest. Because of course there's those big hearted people that are like, oh, I want to take care of the cranky one and make it back into alignment. But come on. If you can only play with one. You would go play with the happy kid. You would want to have fun. You want to collaborate. You want to paint your faces and whatever. Just pull out finger paints and Play-Doh and throw it at each other. And have food fun. You would have a blast with the happy kid. That's the universe. Now, of course, the universe is always there for you. You know, when you're at your lowest, it carries you and all that stuff. Footprints in the sand, all that. But to create in this universe... You have to be on that wavelength of nothing needs to change. We're just going to go have a blast. We're going to co-create some stuff. I'm going to be happy no matter what. I'm unconditionally loved. I'm unconditionally happy. Whatever Source wants to do, I'm, it's a dance. You take a few steps forward. I, okay, I see where you're going. I'm going to take your lead. Now I'm going to switch the lead. Now you're going to follow. And we're going to keep going back and forth like this. Happy. Creating from love. Creating from unconditional love. Learning, evolving, growing. Oh, I tripped on myself. I gotta remember that next time. Okay, blah, blah, blah. While the cranky kids are in the corner with the dunce cap on. Why can't I figure out how come nobody wants to dance with me? Because you're cranky. When you get your shit together, and realize that we're over here trying to have fun. You can't come over here. We're trying to have fun. You're cranky. You can't come over here. You're going to screw up our vibe. Your vibe attracts your tribe. And the universe's vibe is unconditional love with boundaries. Having a great time. You're not having a great time. You're going to have a hard time creating. And this goes back to where we started. Are the results what we want when we're creating a business. I say no. I think it's the flow, the happy co-creative experience, the creating from love. The act itself far outweighs the results. Now, yes, of course we want feedback to maybe do both, have fun and get the results. It's like the icing on the cake. The chocolate cheesecake. <laughs> I don't know if that exists. I'm, I'm sure it does, actually. <sighs> Hopefully something I've said here today helps you. Just start with those questions. 
Why do you feel you need a boss? How do you know what's best for you? What do you think the universe thinks is best for you? And if an opportunity came along for you to follow your highest excitement, would you jump at it or would you be afraid of it? There's no wrong way to do life. There's just, which kid are you going to be? The cranky and sad and woe is me and why does anybody love me? Or the happy kid that's like, screw it, let's just go have some fun. It's your choice. And it's not a single choice to make. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, situation-by-situation choice that only you can make. But no matter what you do, know that you're unconditionally loved at all times, no matter what. That will never stop. It is who you are. It is what existence is made of. We are different ducks on the same pond. Different droplets in the same rainstorm. Different clouds in the same sky. My unconditional love to you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you, and I hope you got something from it. Good journey, my friends.